Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Tim Redmond about his new book, Power to Create, the ultimate guide to eliminate scarcity and produce massive results for yourself and others. Tim Redmond, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's good to be here, John. This is uh, I'm looking forward to having a, a good time and hopefully uh, it'll be helpful to those that uh, that follow you. Yeah, I'm super excited to chat with you about your new book. We're going to be exploring together, which is titled The Power to Create, The Ultimate Guide to eliminate scarcity and produce massive results for yourself and others. And kind of one of the taglines, you know, to this podcast and the mission and the goal of this podcast is to help people uh, lean into, recognize, and then maximize their human capital potential. So we want to be able to do that for ourselves. We wanted to be able to do that as leaders for our teams. And it sounds like that's exactly in line with what you're yeah. focusing on in your book. So I think that's fantastic. We'll have a fun yeah. conversation as I'm we get sure started. Yeah. As we get started, I wanted to share Tim's bio with everybody. Tim Redmond is CEO of Redmond Growth Consulting, an organization designed to help you grow your profits, grow your business, and grow your life through Tim's innovative coaching process. With his extensive business experience, Tim and his team will bring you through a process to significantly develop your marketing and lead generation closer rates, cash flow, leadership, decision-making, team-building skills, etc. He is the accountability partner who will keep you focused on your highest and best use. You and your profits will grow and your business will be a powerful venue to live your purpose. What a fantastic background. I yeah. really believe in the mission of your organization. I think that's great. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background of personal context before we dive on in further to the conversation? Yeah. No, we we have, uh, I've got six coaches. We've got about 150 clients. We're growing very fast. And uh, I have, uh, we, we focus primarily on service-based businesses, uh, but we're able to help a business that's a business. <laughs> so, but we're, we're getting such great results here and it's from a co- collective wisdom of working with over 2000 companies over the last 10 years or so. So we're, I'm jacked about doing it uh, through your business. You find your purpose, you develop your future. You just, it's, it's a, um, it's an awesome process here that's helping people with their business. So 
Yeah, that, that's wonderful. Well, excellent. So as we dive on in and get started, why don't you start by just sharing with us a little bit about why you wrote the book, Power to Create. Uh, I like the general premise of it, just yeah. as, as asserted in the title, you know, we have power, we can create, we can create our futures. Um, and I like kind of the agency component to that. Clearly, you know, we all live within a certain context and there are constraints but, you know, I like to lead with a growth mindset and lean into possibility. Right, right. And, and it seems like that's really at the crux of what your book's all about. So tell us a little bit about why um, you decided to write the book, how you started the process, and then we can start to dive into some of the particulars within it. Yeah, no, it's great. Uh, I actually wrote the book for leaders of organizations. So I traveled around the world through a nonprofit after we sold our company. We had a software company. We built it up and sold it to Intuit and worked with them for a while and then started a nonprofit traveling around training leaders on how to run the better organization. So we went after business leaders, pastors of churches, government leaders, and educational leaders. And uh, so I've traveled all over the world doing this. And I find that we have a lot of confusion and even pain when we talk about the subject of wealth and money and capitalism and work and business and all that. So I wanted to redefine what that process was, John. And so the, the foundation of, of the book is redefining what wealth is. So we look at wealth as something we accumulate. You know, we look at our bank statement, we look at the size of our house and how many yachts or how big our yacht is or you know, how much we have in stocks and bonds and that kind of, so, you know, that is the accumulation of wealth. That's not a bad definition, but I've, I've looked, I've redefined wealth from a creative position. And that is wealth is create, you know, rather than wealth coming to you is something you get together to you. Wealth is something that flows from you. And it's not just esoteric. It's not just abstract. It's very, very practical. It's, it's creating something of value to exchange with somebody else. So it, it's really, I define wealth as creating value to serve other people. And the first chapter of the book actually talks about one of my trips down to Costa Rica, true story. I'm speaking at this uh, huge church in uh, a in a small village, really, but a huge church, beautiful, and thousands of people there. And I said, Pastor, what? How, how did you do this? You're a small village, and how did you do? He said, Well, we really owe a lot of our 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 economic revolution that we've experienced in this area to a lady I call the Pancake Lady. And it really illustrates what this wealth is. It's like he preached this sermon on, you know, multiplying the gifts that you have. And then he went out to some of the people in, the, in, in his congregation, this very small congregation at the time, and gave them a dollar or two equivalent to that to say, use your gift and multiply this. And he came to this one lady, says, hey, take these, take these equivalent to $2, take these dollars and multiply. She goes, I can't, I can't, I can't. Uh, you know what's happened to me. My husband left me. I've got three kids. We're, we're you know, in dire poverty. We, we go without meals. This is horrible. I can't handle this pressure. And, and the pastor said, there's got to be something you can do. 
uh, with this. And she goes, no, I don't, I don't, I can't do it. The only thing I know how to do is make pancakes and everybody knows how to make that. And so what we do is we, we sometimes we compare ourselves with other people and we diminish what we can do ourselves to create value. So this pastor persists and says, I want you to take these $2 and I want you to buy as much pancake mix as you can. And I want you to make pancakes tomorrow morning and go early to the merchant area where people, where the shopkeepers uh, open up, come there early and they'll buy your pancakes. No, it'll never work. Well, she came in the next day and they bought all my pancakes and she started this business and it grew to be quite a, a, a large, like a catering uh, company is what she turned it into being. And she sparked an economic revolution. She goes, is this the gal that her husband left her and she's dire poverty. And now she's like one of the biggest givers in the church and committing to the, you know, helping out with the community. And it, it literally, she sparked an economic revolution because she, she personified that redefinition of wealth. Wealth is something you create to serve. And when you do that, I've talked to people in the outside of Ghana, Africa, uh, you know, uh, in the suburbs of St. Petersburg and Moscow, Russia, in Kiev. I've, I've been to uh, the Philippines, uh, virtually all over the world in, in, in rich societies and very poor. The same message applies. You can create something of value to serve other people and you create an exchange in that boom, business grows. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. it. You know, bringing value to the market, that's what businesses do, right? Yeah. If, yeah. if businesses are going to uh, exist, if they're going to be sustainable and actually continue to exist, then you have to continually add value to the market. And so how you're defining, you know, uh, wealth and, and value, I think is really, really important. And the reality is we can all do that right? We, we, we have a creative, innovative idea. Uh, sometimes it's something completely brand new. A lot of times, much more often, uh, right. creativity and innovation is just a matter of creatively bringing disparate pieces of existing tech or data or whatever together in a way that no one else has done before, right? That's called uh, innovation. And that's, that's called, called innovation. innovation. Yep. Taking what's there and rearranging it. You know? <laughs> yeah, in a, in a new way that adds value, right? And so we create wealth and value through this kind of creative process. And I'll just note, and you you highlight this in, in your story, but this happens through people, right? This happens through the human capital um, within an organization yes. or if we're looking internally within ourselves where it's it's coming from us. Uh, and, and so we can never forget that. And I think a lot of times, executives, you know, they, they get really focused in on a variety of KPIs, largely financially driven KPIs, you know, because they're thinking about bottom line impact. And, and that's not a bad thing. But if that's our sole focus, and we forget to recognize the value in uh, that that is brought through the people within the organization, and that's the people in the organization that are creating and innovating and providing value to the market and connecting with the consumers. Right. If, if we forget that and we don't give proper attention to that, we're not investing in our people adequately, uh, then lo and behold, people aren't going to be as creative or innovative and they're not going, and, and your company will suffer in the long run. So a lot of times organizations uh, will make short term, they'll, they'll make decisions um, that will impact in the short term in a positive way to make the bottom line look stronger by divesting in, um, 
in, in their people, but in the long run, they're short circuiting the sustainable right. development and growth. Right. Yeah. And I think just going back to that simple definition, it's creating value to serve people. You know, sometimes with the profit, you know, my background is I, at one time as a CPA, worked for PricewaterhouseCoopers. So I'm into numbers and uh, KPIs and we help our clients with that. But sometimes you cut the creativity off when you say, no, I can't, I can't pursue that until I see that it's profitable. Otherwise it'll be a waste of time. Well, now just understand that wealth is created by, by creating value. So what value are people looking for? And when you look, when you start with that definition, it frees you up and your creativity not to be hampered with, well, how are we going to do that? Well, the how's going to show up when you get real clear on the what and the why, which is serving people and creating the value. So it's been, it's been huge. We, we also mix the whole uh, money issue in here with that and the relationship we have with money. You know, I'll, uh, many times I'll ask people I did in the book, I'll say, well, um, how many of you would like to have more money? You know, boom, like this. And, uh, and then I said, well, have you ever seen anybody with, without much money and they come into a whole lot of money at one time and it just messes them up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen where money ruins people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, you want to have a whole lot more of what you just determined ruins people so there's this there's this dissidence that we have and we actually work against ourselves and so this book helps to help clarify so you're not fighting against yourself whatever whatever you respect you get more of whether it's the quality of relationship or money or whatever whatever you disrespect you drive away from you whether it's relationships or money and so we want to make sure that when we're creating this value, we've got a healthy relationship with money. You know, money is, I, I, I define money as the lowest form of wealth, but it's, it's the common denominator that we use to exchange. You know, and it's, it's in that exchange where, uh, you know, that's where business really comes alive. It's in the exchange. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, there's just so much life experience, research, you know, philosophy, there's so many things that that touch on what you were just talking about. Yeah. The reality is money doesn't, in and of itself, money doesn't bring happiness, fulfillment, or any of those things. It doesn't bring joy. Now, you know, you talk in your book about scarcity. And clearly, if, if we don't have enough to meet our needs, uh, and, and we are, you know, struggling in just the day to day essentials of, of food and shelter, and, you know, having the ability to take care of our families, that's going to cause challenges and problems. But, you know, just having more wealth, having more financial uh, prosperity doesn't necessarily do anything uh, for your satisfaction and your health and your relationships and all those other things. And in fact, many times it can short circuit those things uh, if we don't learn how to manage right. it effectively. And, and so that's, that's a really good point. Nothing, nothing wrong with people having financial wealth. Um, but in and of itself, it's not going to, to help you be satisfied and, and happy and content. And in fact, many people spend their whole life chasing wealth and there's never enough. If that's your goal, it's never enough. You're always right. going after more and more and more exactly, and you're never, you're never going to be satisfied. Yeah. Uh, on the contrary, if we kind of reframe wealth in the way you're describing, 
Um, and we focus more on providing value to others and serving others that's inherently going to create and, and help you develop and sustain better, healthier relationships. Perfect. Um, yeah. All of those things, that's what brings meaning and, and, yeah. and purpose to life. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy. Courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. For example, I, you know, I've, I do a good amount of um, academic research in the space of cross-national global comparisons and worker satisfaction, life satisfaction, some of those types of things. And what you see over and over and over again um, is, you know, there are countries that are very prosperous. People are well off, you know, in comparison to say other countries. And guess what? You know, you, you take a very quote unquote prosperous country how happy are those people? How not happy that, are they? Right. Not, yeah. not necessarily any happier, more satisfied, more content, more engaged in their work or in their life than, than anyone else. And in fact, often the, it's low. Those, those outcomes are lower. It's than remarkable. People, than yes. people who, people who live in the global South in, in more disadvantaged circumstances. Yeah. And so a lot of it's mindset. A lot of it is just focusing on what, you know, having contentment with what you have, um, that doesn't mean you can't strive for more, but not getting sucked into the trap of always chasing more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so whatever you pursue defines you. And uh, so if you're pursuing the service of you know, creating value to serve people, it's great. If you're pursuing money, you're defined by that. And one thing about money that is, is almost magical is that money magnifies. So you know, I like to say, well, does money ruin people or does it just reveal what's already there in their heart? And so I, I believe that money magnifies. And so that's where you go down back to, you know, in your leadership, you know, what, what are your core values? What's your script? What's your, what's, how are you making decisions and what values are those based on? And if you've got a scarcity mindset that there's never quite enough. And so, you've got to grab this rather than providing this. It, it, it puts you where you're at war with the world. And uh, yep, so I, yep, yep. I work with a lot of, a lot of CEOs and I'm like, okay, time out here. We brought, go through a process and they say, you know what, Tim, I, I'm at war with the world and it's not working. It, it it's worked with me enough where I'm 
I'm financially secure and this and that, but I'm lonely, I'm isolated. I've, you know, people hate me and we don't have to have that. You know, it doesn't have to be lonely at the top. And, uh, you know, so money is really a great way to build relationships if you invest it wisely. And it, it doesn't have to destroy relationships, but if it controls you and you're pursuing it, you're defined by what you pursue. And it's, it's the lowest form of wealth. It's, it's not, you shouldn't define your life by it yet. You need to have a healthy relationship with it. So anyway, yeah, that's what yeah. we attempt to tackle. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I like how you were just talking about a scarcity mindset. And, you know, when we talk about scarcity or fixed mindset versus growth or abundance mindset, uh, it, it really lays a completely different foundation for how we interact, not, not only with ourselves and our day-to-day -day life, but with the people uh, yeah. around us. And if we're talking about within our organizations and our team, if we have a scarcity mindset, um, that's going to inhibit any sort of experimentation culture that we may want to promote, um, which is going to, of course, all but eliminate creativity and innovation. Um, scarcity mindset uh, ends up driving you to unhealthy, it often drives you to unhealthy levels of competition within your team, rather than collaborations and cooperation, you have unhealthy um, competitive behaviors. Now, competition can be effective and good in, in certain framings in certain contexts. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. when we're talking about pure scarcity, um, if that's the mindset, fixed pie mindset, then clearly there's not enough to go around and and people are going to undermine each other to try to get a piece of the pie. And that's it's right. a fall, it's a falsehood. It's a false kind of dichotomy about how the world works. We can, if if we have a growth mindset and we have a, a, a this idea that we're going to continue to innovate and add value and we take an abundance approach, we can create the abundance. We can, boom, boom. We can create exactly. an opportunity for everyone to succeed. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I like Peter Diamati's book uh, that he wrote. Uh, here he is a, a medical doctor and a PhD and some kind of molecular stuff. I don't understand, but fascinating book called abundance. The world is, is, or the future looks better than you think or something like that. Any, any, you know, the whole idea that wealth actually breeds wealth. So that's my thought here. Wealth actually breeds more wealth. But he talks about in the future with, you know, all this overpopulation, he said, it's not going to create scarcity. It's going to create more abundance. He's, there's three, he said, there's three factors in a they're actually working to create the overall worldwide wealth to increase it. One is the, these billionaires are giving a lot of their stuff away and it's, I mean, it's showing up on the, on the Richter scale, you know, so there's changes there. There's the, the do it yourself technology, which is just, it's allowing the, the little guy in his garage to create whatever he wants to create and it's the bottom 1 billion people that are not even in the market are going to start to transact in the marketplace. And so uh, there, there's so much wealth to be had that we don't, we don't have to be limited with this anxiety producing scarcity mindset. It's, you know, wealth is really establishing a buying club. So you want to get a lot of people that keep buying, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, a good friend of mine, Sam, actually created a buying club. We call it Sam's Club. Sam Walton, a good friend of mine. Actually, I've, he never met me even before 
before, before he died, but I just wanted to try to impress you on that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's getting this buying club going, but we have to understand that if we pursue the creation of value, that it looks up, you know, attractive to somebody that says, listen, I want that so much. I want to exchange something for you. And that's our focus. We leave the scarcity behind and behind. We leave a lot of anxiety, a lot of relationship destroying tendencies that we have, and we can really be a better leader. Um, and that's, that's really what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately as, as the subtitle to your book says that helps you produce better, or you say massive results for yourself and others. And so when we take this growth and abundance kind of a, a focus and a, and an, uh, a framing of wealth around creating value for others and serving others, then all of a sudden that creates this dynamic environment where we can achieve and we don't achieve in spite of others. We achieve through uh, our collaboration with others. Yes. And, and ultimately, you know, it doesn't matter how smart you are, you can be an incredibly smart, capable person. There's only so far you can go by yourself. We all have to work with other people, we have to develop relationships of trust with other people. Uh, and we can't do that unless we're adding value to the relationships around us. So yeah. let's, let's focus on abundance. Let's focus on trust and developing relationships that will help us achieve more personally. That will help us achieve more collectively and the massive results will follow. Now, will they follow always immediately? No. And, and oftentimes you have to, you know, build this kind of a culture and this kind of an environment and this kind of a mindset over right. time. And we're talking about sustainable long-term uh, yes. development and growth, but I, you know, I feel confident in, in proclaiming that in the long run, people will be far better off uh, if they take this kind of an approach than if they're just chasing their tails, trying to keep up with the Joneses, trying to earn just a little bit more money. Um, they're not going to be as happy, as satisfied, as engaged, as creative um, when that's their purpose, when they have an, a, a more foundational transcendent purpose of like developing meaningful relationships with others and adding value to the world around them that will produce far greater oh outcomes in the yeah. long run and and really you know you're defined by what you pursue but also what you pursue you serve so if you're pursuing money and that's your end game that's who you're going to serve and that leads to a degradation in relationships having more money is not bad but money having you where you're going to sacrifice relationships in the pursuit of that uh it gets you off centered and it you you begin to forego your leadership capacity that to improve situations you lay down that that proactivity and now you're the servant to this money thing that that begins to control you and and so yeah it's, it's these are powerful things they're, they're simple lessons for all of us leaders to keep in mind if we really want to make an impact through our organization so that's what your yeah, podcast it, it seems like it's all about yeah and and it's not rocket science uh it is these are fairly simple principles but we need to learn and relearn them over and over and over right. again yeah. and we need to do more than that we need to actually put it into practice and that is really where the you know where the challenge comes because yeah. i think 
I think so many people have really good intentions with all of this, everything we've been talking about. Yeah. Uh, but then you just get sucked into the grind of the day to day and all like the, the societal expectations and norms and like, we, you know, disrupt that we, we, we don't need to buy into those sorts of things. And we will just be far happier, far more fulfilled. We'll have better teams, better relationships. Uh, if we take this, uh, a more healthy approach to, yeah. to wealth and, and creating value. Well, Tim, it has been a pleasure. I know at the time I'm going to have yeah. to let you go here in just a moment, yeah. but yeah. before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how we, how they can get connected with you and find out more about your work, um, your book, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yeah. Uh, well, what we're doing is we're a, we're a business coaching organization. And so we work with businesses. We work with uh, business owners to help them significantly grow through, uh, uh, reformatting their marketing, their sales approach, their hiring, cash flow, leadership, accountability, productivity. And so we, we handle all aspects of that. And we start with what we call a growth plan, where we uh, find out where you're at and where you want to be. And we want to create a new business model to get us to that three-year goal that you have from where you're at. And then we're going to give you eight to 10 very practical, tactical things to do to actually get you on track to do that. And it, it's such a powerful process. Um, most companies can generate at least another $100,000 in profits to the business in the following 12 months after the growth plan. And so we normally charge $2,500 for that, John, but if they'll identify, uh, I love John and his podcast, you know, uh, the whole human capital, and they leave you a review or they some kind of, they identify themselves as being connected with you, we'll waive that $2,500 fee and give you the full impact of that new business model, uh, really getting the practical uh, things, concrete action steps to get to that three-year goal during this short time. It's about an hour or less, but it's a phenomenal process. I've never had a business owner say, wow, that was waste. They always say, yeah, that was good. Even if they don't work with us, but I'd like to do that. They can email me, Tim at Redmond growth or look us up Redmond growth consulting. Um, and, uh, and then uh, really the final word I would want to leave with them is as, as a leader, we underestimate the impact of our presence and uh, what proximity is power and, and you bring power into your room. I like to say the most dominant state dominates. And so if you have the most dominant state of how you feel about yourself and the world around you, if you feel really positive and good, you're going to impact your business or your organization a lot more than what you think just by doing the internal work and making sure you show up uh, as a powerful person that you are. I love it. Thank you, Tim. It has just been a pleasure. I encourage yeah. listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Tim and his team can do for you. Check out the book, check out the, the services, the resources. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. 
Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.